I'm Kara Infante, and this is Bookish Flights. In each episode, I chat with one bookish guest as we take some time to sample and savor the pairing recommendations from their bookish flight. We hope to give you suggestions to cultivate your TBR list and nurture your leisure time through books. In today's episode, I am chatting with Jackie Lentz. Jackie is on her path to being a debut author, as well as the hostess of her podcast, Jackie Just Chatters. Her podcast is so fun to listen to. She does a great job at storytelling, and her episodes focus on stories of ordinary people. It is heartwarming and charming. Her book flight today will keep with the theme of joy and storytelling, and I cannot wait to hear about the book pairing she will discuss today. Welcome to the show, Jackie. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to be here. Yay, I'm so glad to have you here as well. Well, why don't you start with telling us a little bit about who you are? I, I'm i a chaos individual. <laughs> In a short, <laughs> short summary, <laughs> I'm a chaos person. And I think everything I do is a little chaotic. I taught high school social studies for nearly 20 years which that in itself is constant chaos. Sounds and like then an adventure. I, I, absolutely, <laughs> it was. And then I left that adventure and I had some medical issues. So I had a healing adventure. That was fun. And then I've pivoted and I, during COVID, I decided to just start writing for fun because I needed something creative to do. And the story turned into a novel. Did not know that when I started. That's so it was cool. just It was just a writing prompt that turned into a book. Wow. It really surprised me. I think I was like, I don't know, 80 pages in, 60 pages in, something like that. And then I realized, I'm like, oh, gosh, this is not going to be like a long story or a novella. I'm like, this is a real novel. I don't know how to write a novel. And so I started researching how to write a novel, which I don't know if it was good or bad. (laughs) Have you always been maybe like an aspiring writer? When I was younger, I loved writing. I loved books. I've just, I don't remember not having books in my life when I was very little before I could read words my mom would take us to our local library and they had picture books that would tell stories through pictures and we would check these out so we could read to ourselves like I understood the mechanics of a book by like age two or three I mean I could just flip through them and then I started reading as fast as I could And then I just kept moving through books and books. And like in high school, my grades were not as good as they should have been. I was a late blooming nerd. I did not become a nerd till like well into college because I spent too much time reading. Yeah. There were times in high school I would not sleep. I would just be up and I'm like, oh, crap, it's dawn. Well, I guess I'm going to school. I didn't realize till I was almost like in my mid twenties, thirties, I'm an insomniac. I've always been an insomniac, even as a child, I would hear my parents go to bed and I would still be up. And so I read, I think that's one of the reasons I'm such a reader is I think the two of them fed each other because I couldn't sleep. So I would read. 
needed to and, fill your time. <laughs> exactly. But then it also kept me up because I needed to know what happened next. Oh, that's great. So then, okay, so you started, you got on this writing prompt, which is so impressive that you even got to 60 pages with a writing prompt. This is awesome. Yeah, that was also an accident. Um, that's the thing is, like I say, it's chaos. So I, I get this writing prompt and my goal was, I was just going to have a new writing prompt every time I sat down to write. And so I sat down and this guy, Bob Friday came into my head and Bob is afraid to go outside that he can't go outdoors and he lives in his condo and he's 60 years old and he's this very educated upscale kind of guy but he's just his fears have just gone amok okay. and the only contact he has with the outside world is his housekeeper dog's body Ruth and she came to me the next day I was supposed to go on to another prompt but I I had heard my mind I'm like well if I've got her I'm gonna write down her story a little bit and Ruth was 20 years younger than Bob, his housekeeper. And she's bitter. She is so cantankerous. And she hates people. She it just does not. Life has let her down. She's bitter. Yeah. And that's his only human contact. And Bob wow. has just gotten so isolated and alone and bored. That he concocts this crazy plan. That he is going to ask Ruth to be his travel proxy. He's going to send her on these small little I adventures, have her come back and report on her trip, where she went, what she did, who she met, show pictures. So he's going to be able to go on trips vicariously through her and he'll pay for everything. And she's just like, you know what? Life sucks so much. I'm unhappy where I'm at. Why not? I've got nothing left to lose. Let's go. Yeah. Does he realize she's like that? Like, oh, yeah. Take her in the background? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. All right. And but she's very good at her job. I mean, she does everything. She brings in, you know, his groceries. He runs the errands he asks for her. And um, he's too polite and nervous to ask her questions to get into her world because he doesn't want to say the wrong thing. Okay. And she doesn't inquire into him because she doesn't trust people anymore. She doesn't want to be vulnerable with anyone. Yeah. So they both are totally messed up, but in different ways. Yeah. And so day three, I came up with the hook about the, the travel and I'm like, okay, I'm going to write this part down too. Uh, you know? So by day four, I'm like, all right, I got to write the story. I'm just going to write this however far it goes. I did not think it was going to go far. Yeah. And it was day after day after day I was writing. And then I would take a little break and then I would come back. And so, okay. and then after a while, I was like, oh, this is, this is kind of big. And I can't finish this in a short amount. This is not going to be done within even a hundred pages. Oh, crap. And then I started to freak out. If I had known I was trying to write a novel on day yeah. one, I never would have written anything. Nothing yeah. would have happened. I feel like we're a block, right? An immediate block would go up and you're like, nope, nope. I'm just doing a right, you know, I right. have to keep in the mindset of I'm just doing a writing prompt. And that's yeah. how you, I would flow forward. 
Yep. The fear would have been immense and the imposter syndrome and all this kind of stuff. And who are you to think you could just write, just sure. freaking write. And then it was, it, it took over a year and I got the manuscript done and I did a first edit of it. I need to go through and do a professional edit. And then my second book that had been tugging at my brain for quite some time. And I was like, no, 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 you can't come out until I'm done with book number one. If I start number two, I'll never finish one. And it was so important for me to finish something. Yeah. And so if, if there was an idea, I just couldn't get rid of, I'd write it down and stick it in a folder. I'm like, I'll come, I will look at you again. And so when I had finished manuscript one, I went to the folder, I pulled out manuscript or my notes for number two and Daphne Patterson was born and I started her story and it was it was different because I knew this was going to be another novel I knew from the beginning yeah and that was a little scary okay but I also understood I'm like you've done one yeah that's what I was gonna say did you have some peace of mind with that um a little <laughs> And and I and I read several things about sophomore novels, and they're like, you think it's going to be easier, it's not. You don't necessarily have the same problems. You have all new problems. Wow. See, I had no. This is a world I know nothing about. So I really appreciate you sharing. I I didn't really either until the last couple of years. Well, <laughs> like three years now, yeah. and I. Oh, was it last week or the week before? I just finished. My, my Daphne story. It's called The Daphne Project right now. It's a working title. Okay. And I, I, I'm so excited I just finished it. So that's going to start. It's revising. So 2023 for me is all about revising both of them, getting them to where they're really ready to be sent out to literary agents. Sure. And then I'm going to be sending out query letter after query letter to agents trying to get them picked up. And... I know I'm going to probably have to send out at least a hundred probably yeah. for each book. Well, I'm going to pick one, start with that, go to a hundred. If nothing happens, I'll switch to another book and then go for another hundred. Okay. That I think it was the help. I'm sure you've heard of the book, yeah. the help in the movie. Mm -hmm. um, I think that one took 60 agents. It, she had 59 rejections wow. before she, her book was accepted. Yeah. We actually talked about that, I'm trying to think, maybe in episode 10. And she hasn't written another book because she doesn't know that she could do another book as well. The My friend that did the episode, she did some research on it. And she's like, yeah, and she hasn't done another one because she's worried it won't be as, you know, yeah, all she's that she put into that story and how successful it was, you know. Will that would that happen with a second? The one? imposter syndrome, it's so bad. Even for people who've had success, like it yeah. I can see that being such a block for her. That yeah. it, that's too bad. Like anything that gets between the person and writing, that's just sad. But I see it. I can yeah. understand it. Yeah, because I'm imagining for you now to get to that point, right, of even sending the letters, right? for my mind, I'd have to prepare. I might receive rejections. I might hear nothing at all. Even when I've started to interview guests or not interview, but email guests I don't know for potential, like 
this is essentially me cold calling you like right in via email of i don't know you but i love your book would you be interested in coming on the show and i'm i had to have this moment to, to myself to be like not take it personally people are busy their lives are busy and it has nothing to do personally against me <laughs> we right. talked about the four agreements i don't know if you've read that book mm -mm, no again i'm thinking episode three um, and he has like four tenants of life and one of them's like, don't take anything personally. So I had to like go back to that and be like, don't take anything personally. People have a life of their own, right? And there, I may get rejected or I may not hear back and that is okay. When I finished my first round of edits on my Bob and Ruth story, I actually started sending out query letters. Okay. And I sent out 16 I think 10 of them, I got rejection notices. And it's funny, the first one, I was really excited. I was like, oh Just my God, response, I got my or... first rejection letter. I'm like, I'm a real author. I'm a real author. <laughs> I, I love that you switched the positive letter. note on that. <laughs> um, number 10 was not as exciting. Yeah. But, and then six of them, I, I like, I heard nothing back, which is not uncommon. Like sure. they get, they get hundreds and hundreds of manuscripts and a lot of it's, it's like, okay, this just doesn't even hit my target. It's not what I'm looking for. And then pff, they're gone, you know, it, it, and that's okay. And that's like I said, a hundred is honestly my real target. If I have sent out a hundred query letters and I don't hear anything back, then I'll switch to my second book and then start all over again yeah that it's it, it is a game of tenacity i mean a lot of times the difference between an unpublished and a published author is how much effort and work are you willing to put in and my sister's like i want to see you published and, and i'm like i could go publish it right now for self-publish yeah but i really want to try the classic method and that's years it's yeah. years between when you start writing till you find an agent, till they sell it to a publishing house, till it happens. It yeah. is a slow, slow process. I mean, it can be three to five years. Yeah. This is why and, I would never book bash on the show. I've talked about this a little bit because I know yes, I what heard goes you. into that and how, I mean, this. I'm imagining this is like birthing a baby for you, right? This is your project. This is your, you put your heart and soul into it for three years. And right. so, and then even maybe more three to five years, right, of trying to get it published. So I, I can tend to think of it as like that book just wasn't for me, but that book will be for someone else. So I would never right. want to bring the negative to that because I realize what goes into that. Absolutely. And it's, we've all read books that were like, eh, you know, that's, I'm just not into it. The, the character doesn't do it. For, and that's fine. It's like movies. It's yeah. insane for people to think you're going to like every single movie out there. No, there are types of movies targeted to different audiences for what they like. And that's fine. Yeah. Same thing with books. You're going to have different audiences and, you know, some things can kind of expand and go over a couple genres and, you know, it just, it, it varies per person and it's, there's nothing wrong with it. If you don't like it, you don't like it. Yep. I don't like Brussels sprouts. <laughs>
I'm imagining with your Bob and Ruth story, it sounds like there could be some comedic incidences that come into this as well. Yeah. For something that's kind of like these sad people in these sad situations, there is plenty of humor. Yeah. And it's in general, what I try to, what I want to write and what a lot of like, what I like to read is uplit. It's uplifting literature. Sure. Life has so much drama. And especially with the pandemic and, and the older you get, like if you're mid thirties and older, you've probably started to discover that life comes with its own drama package. And I like to use books as an escape. Mm -hmm. So, and like we just talked about, like what you prefer or not. I, I just don't enjoy post-apocalyptic novels. Not that they're not well-written, but it's too much sadness and drama yeah. and tension for me. I need an escape from life. Now, when I was 18, I dug the drama. It was awesome. But now it doesn't speak to me. Yeah. And I need something that I know is going to leave me with a more uplifting message at the end. Like, I'm going to feel a little buoyed up. Yeah. That it. So, you know, both my books, you have people who are flawed, like everybody, and it shows their adventures as they improve themselves and the world gets a little brighter and gets a little better. And, and nobody's perfect at the end because yeah. in real life, nobody's perfect. Yeah. And sometimes even when it ties up too nicely at the end, it's a little like, oh, okay, like this, this seems very fairy tale ish Right, <laughs> right. Like, you know, you want to see that they're on the path to a happy life. And you're like, okay, so you're at this point, excellent, things are going to go well. You know, there needs to be, there, you're right, there's like a balance between you want the reader to be satisfied, yeah, but you don't want it so spick and span tidy that they don't recognize any kind of reality in it. Like it's a magazine cover. Nobody yeah. lives like that. Well, I love that. And I hope that we can cheer you on of your journey as, as you go along and maybe read your story amongst the pages someday. Um, on my Facebook page, Jackie Lentz author and my Jackie Lentz Instagram at Jackie Lentz. Okay. I have actually, shared some little quote tidbits from my Daphne novel. So if yes, anyone's I've interested. I've seen a couple on the Instagram. <laughs> and so I will, what I'll do for our show notes is I'll make sure to include those on there. So for any of you listeners that would like to follow Jackie's journey, you can see that with some excerpts too. Excellent. When you're writing, how do you find time to read? And how, how do you do that in your current life? It's kind of difficult at times and every writer should read like you want to yeah. see what your contemporaries are writing and get a, a flavor for different styles it's definitely helpful and when I'm writing a lot I definitely can fall back I kind of go into my teaching patterns I would binge read okay because as a teacher during most of the school year like during a lot of you can't read a ton yeah because you're so busy. And like, if I had a, a small cozy mystery, like, okay, if I start this Friday night, I'll have it done by Sunday. 
and then I'll be okay. Because me and putting book down (laughs) does not go very well. I have always had that impulse problem since I was a kid. Like I mentioned, I'd read all night. So once I hit halfway in a book, the world ceases to exist. (laughs) I'm imagining just like the hunkering down as you get further in the book, right? You just kind of are honing into this like sweet spot of, okay, now I got to go. Now I'm going to go. And then you take off. (laughs) My, My husband was so sweet that he knew when a Harry Potter book came out, that was great because a lot of them came out right around summertime. Oh, that's so I'd perfect. finish school, grab the book, and I'm like, I'll see you in two or three days. And what a treat at oh, like the it... end of the school year to be looking oh. forward to the next next book in the series. Oh, the binge was fantastic. And then after I was done, I'd give him the book. I'm like, it's yours to read now. I'm going to bed. <laughs> and I would sleep like 12 hours. <laughs> I'm about to start a book binge because I've I finished my manuscript. Yes, you have my the space. Treat to, yep. <laughs> my treat to myself is for the next few weeks, I am going to start working on a TBR pile. And I'm just, I'm going to go a little crazy. And my husband will love it because he'll have some alone time. And I'm just <laughs> going to dive in and... We've got a vacation this spring coming up. We're going to North Carolina. We love going there. Yeah. And when I go on vacation, I bring books. Like we go do things during the day. And then at night we stay home and like he'll do his, I don't know, whatever he does. I read like every night. We don't watch movies. We don't watch TV for the most part. He does his thing and he reads as well. And I just read every night. So I'll be gone for like about a week and I'll just read for a week. Do you have a Kindle or do you have, do you bring hard copy books or how do you make this happen? Hard copies. Yeah. I, I have a Kindle. I don't know how to use it. (laughs) I, I tried years ago and I just, I don't like it. I want something I can easily throw in my purse. I want to, you know. A book purse. Yeah. <laughs> and I like it that if I drop it in the tub or I'm at the beach and I get sand in it, it's okay. I have not ruined a $300 device. Yeah. And, you know, the book always works. It doesn't need to be charged. You know? yeah. And I like that feel. I'm just one of those. Like, you know, I'm old school tactile. Yeah. Me too. Well, why don't we jump in to our yeah, book play yeah, a little bit today? So I know you said you prefer the uplifting literature. And yes. so I think that's what we're going to get a sample of today. And I'm so you, excited. You are. I have a book buffet Woo-hoo! of uplifting novels. And I like a buffet because, you know, at a buffet, you have lots of options so you can pick and choose your favorites. Though with a buffet, you're also inclined to like maybe try something outside your comfort zone. Yes. So so we have this book buffet of different genres, but all with the theme of uplifting, cozy. They're, they're going to make you feel better about things. These are the things like I like to go to to, to kind of pick me up. Yeah. Okay. Well, great. I am so excited to hear it. What is the first book of our uh, sampling today? 
It is in the genre of contemporary fiction, and it is called How the Penguin Saved Veronica by Hazel Pryor. And I will read the blurb on the back real quick. Perfect. Get caught up. The title is so fun of this book. It is. (laughs) I love it. 85-year-old Veronica McCready is estranged from her family and wants to find a worthwhile cause to leave her fortune to. When she sees a documentary about penguins being studied in Antarctica, she tells the scientist she's coming to visit and won't take no for an answer. (laughs) Shortly after arriving, she convinces the reluctant team to rescue an orphaned baby penguin. He becomes part of life at the base, and Veronica's closed heart starts to open. Her grandson Patrick follows Veronica to Antarctica to make one last attempt to get to know his grandmother. Together, Veronica, Patrick, and even the scientists learn what family, love, and connection are all about. Oh, so love that. <laughs> it, it, yes, I saw that, and I'm like, I have to read this book. <laughs> yeah, I've never heard of it. You know, it's amazing to me how many people haven't, and they really should. It's it's such a fantastic novel. I'm going to read a snippet from the book because I think it really helps show what kind of person Veronica is. Like, the book gives you a little teaser of this 85-year-old broad, but I just, I I love this. Yes. So she's she's talking with her housekeeper of sorts, Eileen. And Eileen begins, oh, Mrs. McCready, do you think you might have some family out there somewhere? She waits, hungry for further information. I have no intention of telling her anything more. At my age, I should be able to do exactly as I wish and not have to proclaim it to the world. So you'd like me to Google for agencies, family reunited sort of things, you mean? She asks. Something of the kind, yes. Use your googly doodads or whatever means and within your power. It would have to be a very discreet agency, I warned her, and one with a good reputation and track record. I would be grateful if you could make sure of that, please. (laughs) She sounds like a hoot. She does. She's so funny. And I loved, like, in that snippet, you you get a lot of knowledge about Veronica. First up, you get a sense, like, she has a very imposing personality. And that comes across in it, like, you know, how her housekeeper just has this very deferential kind of tone towards her. Yeah. And Veronica knows her own self-importance. You know, she wants to do what she wants and she shouldn't have to explain it to anyone. You know, like how many people feel that way? I mean, like, like, oh my gosh, I, I want that cursing in my blood. I just want it flowing in me that I can, I can just take control. Yeah. And the, the googly doodads <laughs> and, and having Eileen do the research for her, it, it shows, you know, she's not up with technology and she doesn't care. Yep. She she knows she's not up with certain trends. And at 85, she stopped bothering. Again, it kind of goes back to that self-confidence. She's like, she's smart enough to know what's out there. So she's probably smart enough to figure it out. But she's like, I don't want to. So you, you go do it. Yeah. 
<laughs> and she's very independent. Like that's so clear, but not so much. She is unable to ask for the help that she needs. Like she knows she, she wants this um, firm found. She's trying to find some family and she can't do it herself or doesn't want to. And so she's willing to put that out there and ask for help. So she's very independent, but not always so much to a complete detriment. Yeah. Which aren't we all a little bit, right? I sometimes feel like it's that line of like, how do I ask for help? I don't want to inconvenience someone or. Right. But for her, it sounds like more like, I'm going to tell you to do this. I should probably ask you for help, but. <laughs> right. And I think for a lot, there's pride of why we don't yeah. ask for help because we're embarrassed that people are going to think less of us or look down on us or, you know, oh, you don't know. Because I would see that as a teacher all the time. Somebody would be like, oh, my gosh, you don't know that. And then I'd smack down on that student. I'd be like, look, you came out of this womb knowing how to eat, poo and sleep. <laughs> Everything else you learned at some point, somebody taught you. So somebody taught you this information. Yeah. Somebody did not teach them. Let's not be egotistical about it. They can learn. And now they know. And now they're equal to you. And and you just look unkind. So, yeah. you know, not helpful. And she's not really fond of people. It really comes across that that crotchetiness. And I loved her business mind that she's looking for something very personal and she wants this but she never forgets she wants reputation she wants a track record not any old firm is going to do yeah. and you know she's very controlled and and that's just really interesting with her yeah and i loved at the very end she said please <laughs> Like she's ordering her her housekeeper to do this thing. She is very imperious, but it, she has been raised with manners and she will use it as part of her personality. While she's controlling, she will always be polite in a sense about things to a point, you know? And I just, yeah. I just love that. Like you would think she's a complete jerk, but then please. Oh, okay. <laughs> and that's, so there's so many layers to her personality that come out in that one little scene. And yeah. to me, I'm like, one, bravo to the writer. Like, that can do pack, that much. Yes! Yeah. You could pack that much of a punch in just a few paragraphs. That's freaking amazing. And I'm going to try really hard not to compare myself. Yeah. So that, fun. Yes. And then the book goes off and she has this adventure um, with her, her grandson, Patrick, and she goes to Antarctica. <laughs> you know, she she goes through a transformation and it's, it's slow going and she's not the only one who transforms. Other people do. And it's just, it's a really heartwarming story by the end. And, you know, it, it deals definitely with drama. I mean, in order to have growth, you yeah. know, growth doesn't always rarely comes through having the best time of your life. Yeah. 
Like going to Disney rarely transforms you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's unfortunately usually the bad stuff that tends to transform us. Yeah. Iron sharpens iron, right? Yeah. <laughs> Do you get a, a sense of Antarctica? Oh, they spend a lot of time in Antarctica. Okay. And that was really kind of neat for me. My dad back in the 60s was in the Navy and he worked on an icebreaker in Antarctica. Wow. My dad's been down there. He's hung out with the penguins. Yeah. And he helped break up ice to get to McMurdo Sound where the research station is. So and, cool. Yeah. So like, you know, when I'm reading this, I'm kind of imagining, I'm like, oh my gosh, my dad would have been like one of those guys back in the, who's breaking the ice so the scientists can get down there and do their research. And Oh, so, that's really cool. Yeah, that was really cool. I like the play, uh, books that teach me about the place as well because obviously I've, I've never been to Antarctica myself so I, I would enjoy that aspect I think as well of getting to and it's really interesting the dynamics of the scientist station because as you can imagine the outside is not friendly even <laughs> on the good days it's not friendly yeah so they're stuck inside their little research facility and to watch the interplay with the different scientists with Veronica being in there and then the baby penguin coming in <laughs> and oh yeah like your brain's already going you can imagine yeah. this little penguin running around a research station <laughs> and um it's just it's it's a hoot to see those dynamics of when you put people under pressure yeah. of what happens to their personalities. And and it's so funny because like the research center keep trying to convince her not to come. They're sending email after email. Do not come <laughs> down here. This is inhospitable. An 85 year old woman should not be in Antarctica. Yeah. And she's like, whatever. You know, she's she has made up her mind and this is going to happen. Yeah. And and the people around her are like, no, no, it's not really going to. And then it's like, oh, my gosh, she's doing this. It's happening. <laughs> I love it. It it It's fantastic. And do you have anything else you want to add about that one? Um, You know, I think it's a very good book if you are an animal lover. Okay. You know, if if you're one of those who like a crotchety older character, the quirky characters, mm -hmm. it's absolutely for you. And if you also like the theme of people finding other people and connecting to them and and the importance of family or found family, then it's also a good book for you as well. Like, if, if you like those kinds of themes, yeah, try this book out. Well, thank you for that. I love that, that the listeners can hear that and be like, yeah, this is, for me, I'm already like, yep, that checks the box, adding to my TBR. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. So that was How the Penguins Saved Veronica by Hazel Pryor. What's the second book of our sampling today? All right. Now we're going into the classics. And we are taking a book by Ellen Montgomery. No, it is not Anne of Green Gables. <laughs> so 
I'm sorry for those of you who are expecting me to say that. I love Anne of Green Gables. Don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. But this is, I think, her most unique work. It's called The Blue Castle. It is the only novel she wrote specifically as an adult novel. Okay. And this came out in 1926. And it's it is a short, quick read. It's only 218 pages. Okay. So if you don't have a ton of time and you need a quick uplift, if you need a quick hug, this is Love the book. Okay. I I have read this way too many times. I, I've lost count. When I'm feeling down, Valency is who I go to. And things are going to get better, which is also going to seem a little strange but let me tell you Maud packed so much in such a little book there is heartbreak the richness of living joy friendship compassion and a good dose of humor they're all in there okay I will read the blurb to you so you can get like a base for this sucker I'm smiling already (laughs) at 29 Valency had never been in love and it seemed romance had passed her by Living with her overbearing mother and meddlesome aunt, she found her only consolations in the forbidden books of John Foster and her daydreams of the Blue Castle. Then a letter arrived from Dr. Trent, and Valency decided to throw caution to the winds. For the first time in her life, Valency did and said exactly what she wanted. Soon she discovered a surprising new world, full of love and adventures far beyond her most secret dreams. Fun. I'm envisioning what this entails of what she experiences, what adventure she gets. Yes. So now one thing to remember, she's 29 and not married. The book was written in 1926. So for those of you who don't have some historical base, Valency is an old maid. She's on the shelf. She is basically (laughs) considered unmarriageable anymore. So I have found a little passage that I thought helped hone in on Valency's personality. Valency reviewed her whole life between midnight and the early spring dawn. It was a very drab existence. Nothing really pleasant had ever happened to Valency. When it was over, something had happened to Valency. Perhaps the culmination of the process that had been going on in her mind ever since she read Dr. Trent's letter. It was three o'clock in the morning, the wisest and most accursed hour of the clock. But sometimes it sets us free. I've been trying to please other people all my life and failed, she said. After this, I shall please myself. I shall never pretend anything again. I've breathed an atmosphere of fibs and pretenses and evasions all my life. What a luxury it will be to tell the truth. I may not be able to do much that I want, but I won't do another thing that I don't want to. Mother can pout for weeks. I shan't worry over it. Despair is a free man. Hope is a slave. Valency got up and dressed, 
with a deepening sense of that curious sense of freedom. When she had finished and with her hair, she opened the window and hurled the jar of potpourri over into the next lot. It smashed gloriously against the schoolgirl complexion on the old carriage shop. I'm sick of the fragrance of dead things, said Valency. <laughs> it is so moving. This one little bit. Yeah. Again, Maud packed so much in this tiny amount. I mean, you're just, you're overcome with this sadness of, of Valency and how her life has been drab and nothing yeah. and, you know, no good things have happened to her. And, you know, she feels that life has passed her by. She's 29. All of her chances are, you know, like she's just, it's, it's over. And yeah, it sounds like despair. Yes. To me. Absolutely. For the first time, she wants to actually be herself. She's like, I have a personality. None yeah. of you know who I am. And I think there's a lot of us who are like, you know, people see me all the time. But does anybody know me? Mm -hmm. And you you can see that with Valency. Like, does anyone actually know who she is? Does she even know who she is anymore? That she has put on this shell for so long. And it's made her totally unhappy. Like she thought that was how you could get through life easier. And it's just made her miserable. Yeah. And Dr. Trent's letter. Well, I, I don't have to tell you exactly what's in there for everybody to understand. It's not a good prognosis. Yeah. That you can kind of guess where it's it's going and where yeah. the theme of the book is, is going. Because that's what sets her off, right? Yes. That's, yeah. And I love that phrase despair frees man that you know it's like you've heard i've heard similar things about how when somebody's got nothing left to lose they're the most dangerous person in the world mm -hmm. because they will risk anything and everything and you know that's kind of where she's at she's like i've got nothing left to lose yeah and i'm which i will say for Valence, for like, you know, she's been so mousy for her to throw off that cloak and like, I'm going to live like me. She is not going to do a complete 180 because nobody does that. Yeah. You know, you, you have to freedom. You take in small steps and you slowly evolve and change. And you've done that one thing. You're like, oh, wow, that felt really good. And now I'm going to take this next step. And, you know, each one is, is you takes bravery and you begin to transform and it leads to some very amusing situations with her family yeah. and her extended family as they're like, who is this what? person? Exactly. <laughs> they're like, oh, my God, what's happened to her? <laughs> and everybody all of a sudden is looking at her. And paying attention to her and they're like you know what has happened and it's like hey she was there the whole time and yeah. it it's it's a really good transformation book and what i love with her is she is a very kind person and that always stays yeah that 
even when she's rebelling like you know she smashed the potpourri you know this is that's her first act of rebellion let's be honest she's not hurting anyone she's not trying to make them feel bad that that's really kind of all about her another piece i really like is the book describes like all these series of choices that she makes and how she becomes more confident riskier with each one and it and it shows that growth and another theme is the nature ella montgomery loves nature and this mm-hmm. book is almost a love letter to nature they they mention um her forbidden books of john foster they're nature books oh. he writes about flora and fauna but I didn't it's know that <laughs> it's almost poetic of how he writes about them and how she she'll quote from those books and and how she describes what's around her and it's definitely writing you just don't see today anymore it is so descriptive and rich and luscious and it's not like you're just seeing the the imagery you're feeling it and it's just gorgeous and so much of what valency is experiencing in these nature moments and what ellen montgomery is writing about is mindfulness and that's before mindfulness was even a term. It was yeah. like, hey, stop. Look around you. Take it in. Enjoy it. Find the the benefits of green space. And, you know, all these things that are, are totally current, hot topic things now. Yeah. Maud was writing about almost 100 years ago. So, and that's one of the things I like. Some of it, you can, you get the sense of the historic. Obviously, the technology is different and things like that. Sure. But the character development, it's totally relevant. And yeah. it, that's why I still like reading about Valency today. Yeah. So. I love that. And I've, as I've gone back and read the classics now, post school days, I realize, like you said, these themes where they're so relevant to our life today because we're people (laughs) we do the same things like you said historically and technology might be different but we still do the same things history repeats itself and yeah absolutely it's so weird but it is though it makes sense i mean let's face it shakespeare's vocabulary has changed a little bit over the hundreds of years but if like you watch a play especially one of his comedies you're going to laugh. You're going to get the jokes. Yeah. They're hundreds of years old, these jokes. And we're still laughing today because humanity is the same stuff. We we have not, we have not evolved as a species very much. <laughs> yeah. And that's why I think they're the classics, right? Because they've stuck and yes. they've lingered and they we're still reading them hundreds of years later. And that's. They're there for a reason. Absolutely. And I've never considered myself a rereader. You don't have any rereads? I have been rereading some of the classics in recent years because of my book club that I'm in. Yeah, but, but that's not I know. A reread. I don't. 
Oh, we move a lot. And so I tend to be a book giver. Like I try to do book matchmaking as we, as I read a book, because I've categorized myself as a, not a rereader. I will be like, oh, I think this friend would like this book. It fits them well. And I will just hand it off because inevitably we'll be moving three years later and carts of books is just seems excessive when we have a weight limit and what we can ship. <laughs> so I'm like, well, I'll just keep passing this along. I have kept, now that I've been reading more of the classics books that I think my kids might have to read later on. And there's one book that has lived on my shelf for a long time. It's The Nightingale by Kristen Hanna <laughs> because I loved it. And I have in my mind that I will go back and reread it because it was such a book that I enjoyed. I hope you're enjoying this conversation with Jackie Lentz as much as I am. I decided to cut this episode into two parts because we were having such a great conversation. So tune in next week for part two with the rest of the book flight as well as a dessert pairing. Thank you for listening.